Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. The name Albert Einstein is probably one of the most well-known names in the world. And Time magazine in 1999 chose Einstein as the purse of the century. But as tall as he was in scientific theory, he was equally as small in spiritual theology. Because even though Einstein believed in a being who had superior reasoning power, he denied that that was a personal God that could be known. A little while ago, a letter written by Einstein in which he doubts the existence of God was auctioned for $2.9 million in New York. The letter, dated 1954, was written in German to a philosopher by the name of Eric Gutkind, and in it, Einstein said that he did not believe in God. Einstein wrote, The word God is for me nothing but the expression and product of human weakness. The Bible, a collection of venerable but still rather primitive legends. Now, contrast what Einstein wrote with what the prophet Jeremiah was told by God himself. In Jeremiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 23. The Lord proclaims, The learned should not boast of their knowledge, nor warriors boast of their might, nor the rich boast of their wealth. No, those who boast should boast in this, that they understand and know me. I am the Lord who acts with kindness, justice, and righteousness in the world, and I delight in these things declares the Lord. This verse here is not only an antidote to the wrong kind of pride, the pride that either denies God or, or denies that God is a personal God or denies that God is a personal God that we can know. It is the prescription for the right kind of pride. You see, there is a pride that is right, and it is the pride of knowing God. As I share today's message with you, I want you to ask yourself this question. If you were to stand before the world and be asked this question, what are you prouder of than anything else? What would your answer be? Now, for some, you might say it would be your family. For some, it would be your money. For some, it would be your accomplishments. You see, the Bible teaches that there is a pride that is wrong, but there is a pride that is right. God warns us about the wrong kind of pride. Jeremiah 9, 23. The Lord proclaims, 
the learned should not boast of their knowledge, nor warriors boast of their might, nor the rich boast of their wealth. See, there are basically three areas where we tend to become very proud in what we know, in what we can do, and what we have. In other words, we take pride in our, in our wisdom, in our power, in our riches. But if you think about it, those three things, in our society, they become our security blankets. We take pride in our own mental power. We boast about having the greatest educational system in the world. You can always count on any politician running for any political office to talk about the importance of education. We take pride in our intellectual ability. We take pride in the military, the brave men and women that, that put their lives on the line every day for the benefit of all of us in this country. And we sometimes we take pride in our monetary possessions. For some, nothing is more important in their life than the stock market and their bank account. God has something to say to anybody and everybody who puts their trust and has their pride in these things. If you, as an individual, or we as a nation, place our pride and our faith in our trust in either what we know or what we can do or what we have, our pride then is misplaced. Now, why does God say that? Well, first of all, wisdom is partial. Like, even the most brilliant, you know, person in the world, like an Albert Einstein, he was not omniscient. He did not know everything. That's why the Bible, speaking about human wisdom, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, says the following. Where are the wise? Where are the legal experts? Where are today's debaters? Hasn't God made the wisdom of the world foolish? In other words, the most brilliant wisdom the world has to offer is foolishness to an omniscient God. Verse 25 goes on to say, This is because the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. You see, there are two things about human wisdom that make it a poor place to place your pride or your trust. First of all, human wisdom alone can never know God. 1 Corinthians 1.21 In God's wisdom, He determined that the world wouldn't come to know Him through its wisdom. Instead, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of preaching. Uh, Proverbs 1.7, there we read, Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, but fools despise wisdom 
and instruction. But there's one other thing that we do not know that puts a limit on all that we do know, and that is the future. You know, the most brilliant PhD at, at Harvard University doesn't even know what's going to happen in the next 60 seconds. That is why no wise man should glory in his wisdom. Furthermore, might, might and strength is superficial. At one time, the Roman Empire was the mightiest force on earth. Where is it today? It's gone. At one time, Napoleon's army was the most powerful fighting force in the world, defeated at Waterloo. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.25, the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. You know, I heard a great story about Muhammad Ali. When he was in his prime, he loved to call himself the greatest. Many of you know that. Well, when he was heavyweight champion of the world, he got on an airplane and he's walking up and down the aisle, you know, signing autographs and, and enjoying the adulation of the people on board. And the stewardess walked up to him and said, Mr. Ali, you'll need to take a seat and fasten your seatbelt. We're about to take off. Well, the story says Muhammad Ali said, listen, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The stewardess said, well, Superman don't need no airplane either. Now sit down and buckle up. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Finally, wealth. That's temporal. You better not put your pride in your money because wealth may leave you while you're alive and it'll certainly leave us when we're dead. In 1923, some of the world's most successful businessmen met at Chicago's Edgewater Beach Hotel. In that group was Charles Schwab, president of the largest steel company in America, Samuel Insull, president of the largest utility company, Howard Hobson, president of the largest gas company, Canadian board Arthur Cutton, the greatest wheat speculator, Richard Whitney, president of the New York Stock Exchange. Ivor Kruger, head of the world's greatest monopoly. They were the movers and the shakers of their day, unbelievably wealthy. But 25 years later, here's where they were. Well, Charles Schwab, he went bankrupt and lived the last five years of his life on borrowed money. Samuel Insull died in a foreign land, a fugitive from justice, penniless. Howard Hobson, he died in an insane asylum. Arthur Cutton went bankrupt and died in a foreign country. Richard Whitney had just been released from Sing Sing prison. Ivor Kruger committed suicide. See, what's the point? See, God is not impressed with power, wealth, or intellect because that's when pride has gone wrong. 
Point number two, God welcomes pride that is right. Now, I know we've probably been taught all of our life that pride is wrong, but Jeremiah makes it plain that there is a time when pride is right. When pride is right when it is placed on the right object for the right reason. The Bible says that we are to take pride if three things are true about us, and when we do, this pride then is right. We should take pride that we know God. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24, right the first part of the verse there, it says, No, those who boast should boast in this, that they understand and know me. Now, I want you to think about two statements. First of all, there is a God you can know. And secondly, there is a God that wants to be known. In fact, the Bible uses several analogies to illustrate how we can know God. We can know God as a son knows a father. We can know God as a wife knows a husband. We can know God as the sheep knows the shepherd. You know, it's interesting to me how you can spend years with someone, working beside them, living next door to them, even being a close relative, and yet still really not know them. And many times it's because, well, they don't want you to know them. Well, well, God wants us to know him. And he wants us to know him in a personal, intimate way. As a matter of fact, he has written this book, the Bible, that we might know him. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, that we might know him. You know, Jesus one day and Philip had a very interesting conversation. I want you to listen to the dialogue because it's found here in John chapter 14, beginning at verse 7. Look at what it says. If you have really known me, you will also know the Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord... Show us the Father, that will be enough for us. Jesus replied, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been with you all this time, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you know that the great danger of religion is this? It is the danger that through religion you will come to know about God without ever coming to know God. If you want to know who God really is and what God is really like, then hear it in his own words. When Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments, he's sitting on a rock, two tablets of stone, and he's waiting for God to speak to him. And when the Lord appears to him, here's what he says. 
Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7. It says, The Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God who is compassionate and merciful, very patient, full of great loyalty and faithfulness, showing great loyalty to a thousand generations, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion, yet by no means clearing the guilty, punishing for their parents' sins, their children and their grandchildren, as well as the third and the fourth generation. Now that is the God that we know, the God that always does things in the right way, a God of, of kindness, a kindness that never fades, a kindness that never fails, a kindness that never falters. The God that we are to know is a God who is gracious. You know, I hear many people com com complain about God when something goes wrong in their life. And they, and they think they haven't been treated the way they should have been treated. And things haven't happened the way they thought things should happen. And, and then they make a statement like this. They say, well, God is not fair. Well, I've got news for you. The Bible never says God is fair. The Bible says God is just. That is, God not only does things the right way, he does the thing right. God always does what is just. You know, one of the cornerstones of our country is the fact that we have the right to a trial by jury. This was a byproduct of the Magna Carta, which incorporated in it the demand of a trial by jury because the king, who would often capriciously accuse a man and then order a magistrate to find the man guilty. Trial by jury, one of the strongest safeguards against government's arbitrary authority, remains a rare privilege in much of the rest of the world. But long before the Magna Carta, the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 15, you must not act unjustly in a legal case. Do not show favoritism to the poor or deference to the great. You must judge your fellow neighbor fairly. In other words, our very nature of justice is based on the justice of God. So furthermore, we find this God is righteous. God not only does the thing right, He loves the right thing. The 11th Psalm, verse 7, Because the Lord is righteous, He loves righteous deeds. Those whose heart is right will see God's face. God loves what is right. God does what is right because God is right. The word righteousness is rooted in the Hebrew word that literally means straight. Right? Even today, when, when a criminal reforms his life, we, we say he's gone straight. When a person lives an obedient life, he walks the straight and narrow. A person who is well-behaved rather than unruly is straight. 
If someone is dishonest, we say he's crooked. Well, God is straight. God is righteous. If you believe in that type of God and believe that God is what he says he is, then you should take pride in that. And finally, we should take pride that we receive God. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24, the second half says, I am the Lord who acts with kindness, justice, and righteousness in the world, and delight in these things, declares the Lord. You see, God not only delights in loving kindness and justice and righteousness, but he delights it when we are just like him. The reason why God wants us to know him is that we might become like him. Because to know God in your heart is to show God in your life. Now that raises a practical question. How can you know God? I mean, how can you really know God? Not, not know about God, but, but know him personally. Well, let me give you three steps. Number one, by listening to him. God has given us his word, not just to put facts into our head, but to put faith in our heart. This word, this is God's revelation to us. When you read it, not just with your eyes, but, but with your heart, you will begin to know God. Secondly, by living for him. Did you know that the more you obey God, the better you'll get to know God? And the more you'll be like God? You know, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4 says, it says, the one who claims I know him while not keeping his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in this person. Now, finally, we know God by loving God. That's the real mark of knowing God. Because to know God is to love God. And to love God is to want to listen to God and to live for God. You know, someone once said there are two great moments in a person's life. The first is when you are born the second is when you discover why you were born. Well, my friend, I can tell you why you were born. You were born to understand and know the God who is gracious, judicious, righteous, that you and I might become just like him. For in these I delight, says the Lord. When you can honestly say with pride, I know God, then, well, then you can know that your pride is a right pride. Let us pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for the countless blessings, the mercy, the love you show each and every one of us, your children. Father, if there's anyone within the reach of my voice that doesn't know you yet, Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you may reveal who you are to them. And they may want to come to know you and take pride in knowing you. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been talking about getting to know God and come to the time in our program where we have a special offer for our viewers. We do that each and every week. We always want to share with you information that will help you better understand who God really is. And today is no exception. We've offered this book before, but we get such positive feedback on it, we want to offer it again. It is simply called To Know God, A Five-Day Plan. We'd love to send you this book to help you better get to know this God. It's a gift from us. There's no obligation whatsoever on your part. It'll arrive in the mail, postage paid. No invoice, no cost. It's a gift. Are you interested in receiving this book? And pay attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G, 083 and we would be happy to send the offer out to you that's post office box 27030 simcoe conlin post office oshawa ontario l1g 0a3 if you live in canada this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid for viewers living outside of canada shipping charges will apply if you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you joining us every week and we appreciate your efforts in letting others know when we're on so that they can tune in also. If you ever miss any one of our programs, don't worry, because you can go to our website, l4ltv.com, and you can see them at your convenience. Anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you have access to all of our programs at our website, l4ltv.com. On the website, you can also find out where I'll be appearing live, and you can actually make a donation to help keep the ministry on the air. We are a charitable organization. Every dollar you send is eligible for an official receipt for income tax purposes. Want to remind you of our social media presence? Instagram, follow me, uh, Santos underscore Bill. Like our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and uh, we can stay in contact in between times that we broadcast our program. Before we go, very quickly, remind you of missionnowcanada.com. That is the part of our ministry that goes overseas and does humanitarian work. Check out the website, find out where we will be going next. Maybe you can join us or you can make a donation to support the work 
that we are going to be doing overseas. We are all out of time. Thank you again for being with us. I'm looking forward to the next time we have the opportunity to spend these precious moments together. God bless you. We'll see you then.